Welcome to Everybody Has Shit. I'm Kim Reed. This podcast is an open invitation to put your wellness on another level. You no longer have to keep your autoimmune disease or whatever it is that's holding you back a secret. Secrets hurt us. Everybody has shit, so let's all get better together. Let's all try to overcome the challenges we are facing and live our best life. So it's really interesting while trying to navigate health on many different levels and being open to all different kinds of modalities. The one thing that keeps coming up is meditation. And so we're talking today with Ben Badi. I've known him for, shoot, it's gonna be almost 20 years because of our children. That's right. Children unite a lot of friendships and bring people together. Yes, they do. And this one has endured and lasted, as have our sons. Yes. but I've known you, Ben, as a guy who does a lot of traveling, who goes to India, who does things mysteriously that, are, you know, many, many years ago, I didn't really know what you're doing. I just knew you were gone and you did these interesting things, but I didn't really know a lot about it. But now when you find yourself dealing with chronic illness or whatever it is you have going on in your life where you're searching for help, you become more open to maybe some of the things that you're doing because the term meditation seems to be a very common one. Very, It's used a lot. But just how to go about doing it, it seems simple, but it's actually not. So I was hoping that you could kind of bring us into your world of meditation because there seems to be a benefit there. Yes. And something that's attainable for everybody. Yes. It is. So how did your journey with meditation and with learning about the world of that begin? Thank you, Kimmy. I appreciate you guys having me uh, with this opportunity to share some of my, uh, some of the things that I've learned from teachers and masters that I've had the pleasure of working with. Meditation is a term that became famous in Western world by people trying to sit with a certain posture and be able to uh, close their eyes and go through certain breathing techniques and trying to prevent thoughts to come to their mind and basically find peace and relaxation. That's the general concept, and through uh, relaxation and through meditation, uh, people like Buddha and many other self-realized people find enlightenment. And frankly, I have been in spirituality, a path to spirituality, which is finding out who I am to begin with. It's been going on for about 40 years. Have you found out who you are? Yes, I have. Through the calm, is that when you find out? Is that when you discover? It's a concept. Quietness. Yeah, all I have found out is a concept that I am not Ben with this name. I'm not an individual uh, with this body, with my experience. With those are just instruments. So I've tried to meditate for decades and attended many different classes. I've traveled the world. I've been to 58 countries, sat with folks like Sad Guru for four days of meditation. I've been to uh, areas in uh, Thailand where I sat in monasteries for a week that you don't talk for a whole week and you don't talk so you can meditate. At the end of the day, what meditation for me is, is what I learned through this ancient philosophy of Vedanta which is that ancient Indian philosophy, the oldest known philosophy to man. And meditation is known as the last thing that a human being does before they get to self-realization. The last thing. So what is known for us as meditation is not at all what is known to the ancient spiritual gurus and people that became self-realized. You almost have to find complete peace, complete ease from the worldly desires before you can ever get to meditate. 
Now, you can practice the process before you get to that level. When would you be ready? It could be this lifetime. It could be next lifetime. It could be 10 lifetimes from now. But once you find the process of the path that you have to go through, that is so satiating, that's so, so fulfilling, that whatever you ever, whether you will ever get to the point of truly meditating to get to the self-realization, it becomes secondary. Because, because you can find so much joy every day. Okay, but, it's, but everything that you're saying is like the exact opposite of the way the world exactly. is designed. Exactly. There, how do you, and that's my struggle with it. Yeah. I sit in 10 minutes of meditation is like an eternity. Yes. I don't know if you've ever tried to meditate. Never. I, I tried last night, as I have many times. 10 minutes. And I am like antsy, and I'm, I'm like just scattered in my head. And look, when you know your body and your mind is reacting that way, that's a sign that you need this. Yes. But how do you create the quiet? Yes, yeah. I don't know how to do that. So, you know, it's a matter of ultimately what you're after when somebody meditates. They're looking for something. They're looking for peace. Well, but, but if you look at science, right. science acknowledges meditation yes. as a form of healing. Yes. Reducing right. stress, yeah. um, inflammation in the body, which yeah. is what causes a lot of these True. Uh, autoimmune diseases right. and things that go on. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, right. how do you get to the point of stopping yeah. and allowing the space to be quiet. Right. I can't. I'm, right. I it's, struggle it's with it. It's extremely difficult. And in Vedanta says, do not meditate till you are ready to be able to meditate. So what is what does that mean? It's almost like people meditate for 10 minutes, half an hour, one hour, two hours. And assuming in that time period they're successful, they got uh, a relief, they're in a state of peace, and they have certain experience. But what happens the other two remaining 22 hours in a day? Imagine a lifestyle where meditation is what you experience on a constant basis. Okay. While you are walking down the street, while you are sitting with Kim, while you are going through severe emotional crisis. I have to digest that. Yeah, I can expand on a, it. That's a big concept. Yeah. To live in an existence of, yeah. it's of, called, of a meditative and state. And it's called open-eye meditation. Huh. And open-eye meditation is, first of all, you have to have some concept of what it is that uh, I'm contemplating on. What is this world? Who am I? Who are you? Why are we here? Why is it that some of us get sick? What if some of us are not sick? What of us, why is it that some people are wealthy? Why is it that some people are poor? Why is it some people are black, white, tall, short? There are rules and there are explanations about what life is. And unfortunately, they don't teach us none of that. But if we understand the concept of what life is, what karma is, where did we come from? Why is it that my sister maybe have illness and maybe I don't? Why is it that my brother could be extremely wealthy and I may not be? Why is it that someone lives this life sooner than they should? Why is it that someone is the nicest person and suffers and some of the people that you see that are the most obnoxious people, it appears to be doing well? What is the meaning of that? Well, since we don't know, we talk to people and we make an opinion about things. We make perception about things. Where does our perception come from? Where does our emotions come from? Where do we form our thoughts about things? How do we form our perception of another human being, for instance? All of that is very deep subject, which we never study, but as human beings, we want to quickly get to the conclusion of how do we get to the peacefulness? Do you think that that's, do you think that that's hurting society as a whole? Like, we now live in a time where People want to have things now. Like, it's such an immediate society. Yes. As opposed to people accepting things as they come. People have to have things yeah. now. Yes. Or they Thank don't want you. it at all. Thank you. You, 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 said the, you asked the exact perfect question. 
the fact that human beings' life has become, in, in, frankly, so amazing in many ways from external world, it has caused this problem. You see, uh, thousands of years ago, world improved, and world has been improving. People used to kill an animal, and they used to eat it with their bare mouth. Eventually, they discovered fire. Now they can cook it. Eventually, now you press a button and Pizza Hut delivers the next hour. <laughs> Anything you need, you will get instant gratification. So, but who gets instant gratification? The mind gets instant gratification. What is mind? Mind is all your emotions and feelings and your likes and dislikes. Is that who we are? No. Mind is an instrument that to benefit us, to serve us, to keep us away from harms of the world. But our mind is running us and ruling us. We have this thing that we don't know about. It's called an intellect. An intellect is capacity of a human being to think, to judge, to contemplate, to analyze. How does it contemplate and thinks and judge and analyze? It has to be some education to be given to it. And it's not going to come from uh, agencies that the world provides. It doesn't get from universities and colleges. That's intelligence. It's not intellect. And intellect must govern a mind and emotions. So imagine your body perceives things. How? Your eyes, your nose, your smell, your senses perceive the world. If you don't have eye, if you don't, cannot smell, breathe, hear, can you know what's going on in this world? You will have no idea if you have knowledge. So your body serves a function, it perceives. Where does all that perception go to? It goes to this instrument called the mind. Mind evaluates it from emotional perspective only, nothing else. And it, so it's your, it forms your likes and dislikes. So if someone throws you a punch, perception says a fist is coming to your face, emotion says that's gonna hurt. So either you go like this or you run away. There is an intellect, which is a faculty embedded of every human being that must analyze everything so that you don't react based on your emotions. That is not easy to do. Yes, That's how we're, you're we're exactly designed right. to react. It, because we've gone to the, we have gone to the gym of exercising our mind to re react based on emotions, so the emotions become strong. Yeah. But how often we went to the gym of training our intellect to judge, to think, and contemplate. At best, it does it based on gross intellect, what happens in the world. So as the example we were giving people, the world improved. Science improved the world. Technology is you can go from this country to another country in hours. You can have the food you want in hours. You want anything your world can provide, you can conceptually get it instantly. If you can, somebody else can. Right. You cannot get love somebody else can. It's possible. You just don't know the method. But when you got all of that, did human being become any happier? You know, no. I think one of the things that I have found to be the largest struggle is what you're talking about. The body accepts things through emotion. And when you find yourself in different environments surviving off of that emotion, it's so hard to then separate that and have a logical thought about something when it either, whether it be violence or whether it be through just a raw emotion. Like it's very difficult to cut that in half and go, this is how I feel, but this is what's actually happening. Yes, but exactly. See, I think that you have decided how you want to be. So I think the way you react to things you de-escalate things, you bring things down, and that's not an accident, that is by design. So I think that's what you're talking about mm -hmm. because you're, you're creating a calm and you're not reactionary the way a lot of people are. Right. And I think that's a, a really hard concept because it means that you're aware of your being and yourself. But it, those things, what she's speaking, so I'm from a, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I grew up in a very dangerous neighborhood, a lot of gangs. My family was involved in selling drugs and crime and all these things. And so to survive, you need to have senses of emotion. 
You need to be able to read the room. You need to be able to read the people who are around you. And when you develop the, the, the muscle, the emotional muscle of, I can anticipate this person is going to do this, you develop a calm, and so they call it the calm within the storm. Like you develop that because if you don't have that, you will die. And if you cannot learn that much, a lot of people don't make it out because they never develop the, the ability to say, wait a minute, this isn't right. I need to get out of here because they're too busy looking. They're looking, they're looking. Well, yeah. some people are like, I don't need to look around. I've seen this before, it's time to go. Or, I know this person, I know this person, let me try to calm this situation down. And so, what you're saying is true, but th to get that, you have to suffer through things. And can, you, and can you, through that suffering, be able to separate that, and again, make a logical decision? Yes. No, it's very, it's very true. Your intellect was at work and didn't allow if someone cussed you out and are 10 times bigger than you for you to react back because intellect says you're going to get your ass kicked. Right. This is not the time to do that. Right. But how often, and it's very difficult, Kimmy, you're 100% correct, but if I ask you to speak French and if you don't speak French, it's very difficult for you. So what makes something that's very difficult become easier is first of all being exposed to it. Number two, you have an interest about it. Number two, spending time studying it and understanding it and eventually depending on your own personal capacity yeah. you will ever so subtly apply some of it to your life yeah. and as you apply more of it you become more capable of uh, exercising the language that you want to learn or exercising the intellect now a lot of people learn this through experiences of life they go through the entire life and they learn a lesson but how often do we spend time studying the material that can bring us peace and happiness? So I, we don't. And so we end up here, I mean, we're here having this conversation because of illness. Yes. And because of a way to create less stress in the body and clear the mind and yeah. create a calm. Yes. But why can't we do this before illness? Yes. And have that tool. Yes and know how to. Yes, yes, I totally get it. Well, you know, disease is, is an essence of uh, not being at ease with certain things in life from a spiritual point of view. And the concept of a human being's life is birth, growth, Disease, decay, death. It's a process. It's inevitable. Human beings as a whole love the first two steps. They love the birth. They love the growth. They don't want to be thinking about the disease which follows, which followed by decay, which is followed by death. Therefore, the extent human beings will go through to avoid the disease and decay, the surgeries that takes place. Some of them are necessary, naturally, and some of it, depending on your individual needs, and you want to preserve your youth, you are 70 years old, and you want to look 40 or 50, because that brings you and feelings that you once experienced and all that. But putting all that inside, where does all this takes place? It often takes place in our mind. Mind is emotion. So imagine as long as you're relying on your mind, you're constantly going to be dealing with ups and downs of emotions of life. And emotions of life is going to bring you uncertainty and therefore beginning of certain things that happens to us, stress, which can lead to many other reasons, including diseases that you, it could have been avoided. Yeah. And in general, some of the knowledge that I have learned is what is the meaning of life? I mean, let's talk the very basic, what's the meaning of life? And everybody can have a philosophy about it, but ancient wisdom says life is a series of experiences, period. The day you don't have any experience, you're dead. So as long as you're living, you, it's a series of experiences. In series of experiences, there are two parties. You 
as a subject and everything else is the object that you experience. Like in this conversation, I'm a subject, you're an object, you're an object, this is an object, the weather is object, the, the cars are object, my computer is an object, it's my experience and how I relate with everything that I come encounter with. And same goes with you. It's about you and how you come into your experience. If the experiences that are we having with these objects of the world is good, we call it a good life. If you're living in certain part of Chicago and your experiences are not good, you say this is not a good life. Right. So it's how we relate to those experiences. And among the things that Vedanta has taught me is that there is nothing ever wrong with objects of the world, which is contradictory to what we believe. It's always the, how the subject relates to the objects. Case in point, a man will go and file to get a divorce from his wife. He cannot stand her or vice versa. In the other side of town, there is a man who cannot wait to marry the same woman. If there's something wrong with the object, then everybody would want to run away from her. Right. So it's how he relates to her. Let's go a little more controversial. Cigarette. One takes pleasure out of cigarette. One takes joy out of the cigarette. There's nothing wrong with the cigarette. It's how we relate to it. My grandmother died at 92 and smoked a pack a day. And the healthiest people that I know that hated, they died at 60. There's no rhyme and reason to it. It's how we relate to things in life. So it comes about how people relate to this thing called life. And there are rules about this life. And there are rules that exist in life that as long as you live in a human being, nothing about this life is predictable. Nothing about this life is controllable. And nothing about this life is sustainable. Those three, it's not predictable. It's not controllable. It's not sustainable. It never will. It never was. So in an attempt to de deny or defy this law, this con you want to control things. And when you cannot control things, you get angry because this is within us. Therefore, disease, decay, and death. You try to predict what's going to happen. How is that going to work out? Or at best, things are working out. You want to sustain it. Nothing is permanent in this life. No relationship is permanent. No health is permanent, no wealth is permanent. When you understand that nothing in this life is permanent, it's either going to go away or you're going to go before it because ultimately you're going to die. So everything you have that you take so seriously is only temporarily, whether it's good experience or bad. So then when you realize nothing is permanent, nothing is controllable, predictable, or sustainable, then you will say, based on your capacity, what can I do about that? How do I live a life? With what philosophy can I go live life that best suits me? And there is no meditation or philosophy that is one for all. No. Only when you find that who you are, are you a physical individual? Are you an emotional individual or intellectual? Then you gotta give yourself the dosage of what you need. So, but when people recommend meditation when science recommends it when you hear it's a buzzword everywhere there's got to be some good extracted from it even on the smallest level certainly it, it, because the mind that you're talking about yes a small percentage of people will get to that point that you're yeah. trying to impress on us but it but on a on a more vast approach how do you get into it? What's the best way to get the benefit from a meditation? Maybe not presenting yourself in a meditative state all of the time, right. because that's hard. Yes. That takes a lot of self-awareness. Yes, yes, of course. First of all... And, you, and not a lot of people, You even the most intelligent people don't have self-awareness. Yes, because that's intelligence. That's, it's not intellect. It's a, so, But that's a mind, there's a connectivity there yeah. that... I don't know. I don't know. It, can that be learned? Of course. I, really? Absolutely. A self-awareness can be... It, 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 it can be learned, but the concepts got to be learned. 
then you have to study then you're going to apply it eventually you find out what a self-realized person's life is like therefore books like Bhagavad Gita 1800 pages this is my fourth time beginning to an end of it I'm beginning to get a letter and understand of it what does that studying means can it be learned well for me and for any person that follows a philosophy you have to study every day meditation is five ten minutes 15 imagine studying two hours a day yeah two hours a day that's seven eight hundred uh eight nine it could add up to a thousand hours a year ten years later ten thousand hours you're beginning to understand it a little better. It's a lot of hard work in a world that we want instant gratification. So who the heck wants to go down the long journey that is not even cleared, it's not guaranteed, when in fact, give me a shot of tequila, I'm going to be feeling great. Give me a joint, I'm going to be feeling guaranteed great. But they're not long-lasting. Yeah. Certain philosophies, especially once it appeals to you, everything about life is about everything that's happening outside of us that's life and there are so many elements outside of us we have to deal with control understand but who is paying attention to this individual who nobody at best you've got to define an individual and now there's an equipment as best you're taking it to the doctors which is a mechanics to fix this equipment i know and we, but, want, a, we want one pill to fix it and we want one it. pill it, to it fix doesn't it doesn't work that way so it's tremendous amount of hard work at the beginning to understand certain logics like why am I short he's tall why are you blonde I'm dark-headed or white-headed now why what does the meaning of karma is why is this happening to me why is my life it is do we have to ask those questions if you don't understand if you don't ask those questions you're just, you're, you put yourself in a box that you can never win. But is that important to understand that? Is yes. It, or, or is it important just to try to view the world in, in a non-judgmental way and not, okay, so I notice uh, that your hair is darker. I notice that he's tall. But what does that mean? I will explain to you. Do you hear when, when you go to meditation that ultimately we are all one? You gotta be thinking about oneness. You gotta be able to see unity in diversity. But what does that mean? These are all meditated states. You you do practice of Om. Om is a syllable for God, for Brahman, for unity, for the only thing that exists. In fact, there is nothing but this thing that's called God. Now people will get religious. Oh well, God doesn't exist. Well, you're right, because no one proved it. Well, God exists. Really, what is your God? And everybody has a definition for it. God was a meaning for that thing that's beyond capacity of our instruments, which is our perception and emotion and intellect. The minute you say, I know what God is, you don't. You cannot know because the instruments cannot have the capacity to do it. You can only become it. And to do that, you've got to find out who we are. Who am I? And as it gets deeper, you become a witness to even this individual, like as we sit here, there's you, and there's you, and there's this guy, you, and there's an individual seeing Benny sitting and talking. Doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, by the way. There is a guy sitting over there, but there's a part of you that's saying, I'm ready to ask a question. There is a thing sitting in you. While Kim is sitting, listening to Ben, there's a part of you that is actually wondering why am I feeling this way? Oh, is there truth into that and all that? We are so far beyond what our body and our mind and intellect is. And once we can connect to that, that source, which is the same source as you. And what does that mean, that source, that's unity, which leads to proper meditation? It's like, all of, imagine light bulbs. You go to this room, there's a light bulbs. There is, there, is, there is light in that television. There's a light bulb in that room. The light bulbs are all different, right? Light bulbs have different. Some has bright light. Some has dim light. Some has white light. Some yellow. But the electricity that runs through all those light bulbs is one and the same. You go to China. Is electricity different in Chinese light bulb? No. Is the electricity that you get in Japan different than the electricity that 
goes through your refrigerator in Hong Kong. Is that different? No. Electricity is the same, but the equipment that it operates are one and the same. And the electricity can uh, enliven or energize an oven, and that oven can cook your meal or it can cook you, it can burn you. How do you relate to this, this whole concept? If you relate to the world with the lights and he's different, therefore I don't like him or oh, I like her because she looks good, then you're at the mercy of what you encounter. But if you connect to people as what operates that guy and what operates this person and what operates all of us, including this guy, that's the same. No, that is. All and of a sudden. That's a great way to look at people. That's the way we should look at people. And, and what makes and you then, different? yes, and what, how does human being perceive another human being is based on four different factors from five, 6,000 years ago. You look at human beings based on four factors, based on your conditioning, based on your expectation, based on your preconceived notions, and based on your likes and dislikes. If in college I had a brother like him who always watched my ass when the Iranian revolution was going on and they want to beat me and he protected me, I'm going to go through life and anytime I see a guy like that, I want to hug him. And by the way, I do. <laughs> it's, it's like you feel good. Why? Preconditioning or because of my likes and dislikes. Our likes and dislikes runs us, makes all the decisions for us. And oftentimes, it's opposite. What you like is detrimental for you. What you dislike is going to be nectar at the end. Yeah. And often, this, is, this is big stuff. Well, this I mean, th these are the kind of stuff that if someone understands this philosophy and g get it and digest it, it's so much easier to get to the point to meditate. Like, I can sit in a very busy uh, highway as I'm driving, and I'm in deep state of meditation because I don't need to sit, and I go to India every year. I've been to mountains of Himalayas, Everest, Kilimanjaro, where we do sit for one hour. And uh, it feels like 20 minutes, but when you open your eyes, five hours gone by. You have those experiences. But that's almost nothing to do. That's nothing even compared to experience that I'm having this minute with you. This is more of a meditation than being in Himalayas. People think I gotta go to Himalaya in a cove to sit down. But how do we relate to this world? And for your information, uh, the ancient philosophers, they, they don't, wanna, don't wanna go to state that there is no, uh, no thought that goes in there. They go to a state that the intellect watches every thought that comes to your mind. Mind is gonna generate thoughts They gently bring it back. They gently bring it back. You don't quash the mind and the thought flow. Okay, that's what I thought you had to do. You had to quash. I mean, I, I thought what you were saying is, is interesting because the layman way that people try to explain what you're saying is get out of your comfort zone. People yes. hear that a lot. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. But they don't necessarily know what that actually means. Means, right. They think that means, oh, I need to do this thing different. Like, no, it means you need to completely abandon the thing that you find safe. Yes. Or abandon the thing that you find uh, you have practice in. Yes. And do something else in a completely different field so that yes. you can absorb that and then learn from that. And yeah. And become greater because you're now absorbing something you had zero knowledge in before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 100% you're you're correct. It, it is that. And comfort zone, we, we go towards things that makes us comfortable based on likes and dislikes. Where did our likes and dislikes come from? Based on reasons that we cannot answer. Genetically, based on our experiences of the past, based on previous lives that we cannot even know why. Or habits. Habits. Or and habits. habits. So many reasons. Once we understand, those are just things that are happening to this equipment. This equipment has a name called Benny. And this equipment has... A body that has the perception and this uh, this body also has arm and legs to react to this and this equipment has this thing called a mind that produces emotions like I'm sitting here I'm looking at it this guy is smelling the food from the restaurant and saying darn that smells good and I'm a vegetarian I haven't consumed meat for 11 years or you sitting here you having this conversation 
I'm observing Benny having thought about another subject that's happening tomorrow, but I'm talking to you guys. All of a sudden, when you get to a certain zone, it becomes a lot easier to get to this state of so-called so meditation, because what's meditation? Meditation is a state of peacefulness. Is a state that you cannot even know what it is, but it's going to lead you to something amazing. So you can be, you can meditate, but not be sitting quiet for ten minutes trying to quash all your thoughts, which is what I try Why to do. Why would you want to kill it, yourself? Well, I thought that's what it was. I'm listening, trying to empty your mind, and yeah. I'm, and I am struggling last night for ten solid struggling minutes to completely empty my mind, and I'm like, I got a lot of shit I got to do, and all of that is flowing yeah. through my mind. Yeah. So that's the antithesis of what you're saying. You're saying live in a meditative state. Learn how to react. Yes, constantly. And every, be aware. Every day. Every day. Okay, I and, like that. And I give you an example. You look at, look, look at a mirror. When you look at a mirror, what do you see? I see... Yourself. Myself. Okay. Is that the real Kimmy in the mirror? No. Correct. I, Why not? It, it, it couldn't possibly be. Because if you break the mirror, there's no more Kimi in there. Yeah. So the mirror is a reflecting medium. It's a reflecting medium. If there was not a reflecting medium, you would never see Kimi. But you need something else when you look at the mirror to see this reflecting mirror, which is not the real you, but it's an image of you. What else do you need? You need light. Without the light, there's no way you can see a reflection of yourself. There is something that brings light to this world. Without it, you cannot see this world. There is something that makes your eyes see. There is something that makes your ears hear. There is something that makes your nose smell, taste, touch. What is that thing? We never think about it. Oh, it's my eyes see. But what makes you see? Because you know people that something happened to them. They can see, but they don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. You hear people that they smell the food. The steak is here, but they cannot smell anything. Something to do with that consciousness that enlivens it is gone. That consciousness is the same as the electricity. Is All of us is the same. So when you look at a mirror... You see a reflection of you, but it's not the real you. Your real you is Kimmy, is, is what is unseen. So, so the world you're looking at is the mirror. Yeah. You're looking at the mirror, and you're looking at every that mirror, and you're saying, this guy is bad, this guy is good, there's a disease in here, there's not all that. Nothing's going on in that world. Yeah. It's what you're looking at. How do we bring that peace internally? Because if that's internal and the world is full of abundance, if that is truly within you, then when you walk around, you see the world. It's not the world. That abundance is you. You created and everything that you see is abundance, including death. Like, could I die? By the way, I believe I'm going to live till 128. So nice. therefore, I'm 30 plus 30 years of experience. I have a long way to go. But let's assume I get hit by a car tomorrow and go. It, was, it would be amazing. Because this vacation ends, the next vacation is going to begin. It's the mind and the feeling, oh, I'm going to miss my kids. I'm going to miss my wife. I'm going to miss going to my trips. I'm going to miss... It's all emotions that governs us. And we've got so used to listening to these emotions, directing us and controlling us, we are at the, helplessly at the mercy of our emotions or this thing called vasanas, which is our inherent nature that runs our life and we just suffer it. And so suffering could go on, but there is so much beyond that. Yeah. It could all end tomorrow or it can go on for another 50 years. I like the idea of living in a meditative state 24 hours a day as opposed to sitting down and trying to force something that's just not it da going it, to will, it could damage you it, it. if you're not prepared to meditate and you're forced to meditate you'll damage yourself yeah you damage your ability to connect to the higher sources in there because you find things that are fault you do the but it's thoughts but it's are a, coming it's a lifestyle though and i think that our lives have gotten so out of control to a degree that we need to 
rein it back in yes. and learn how to live in a more calm, yes. unreactive way. I mean, and you know, I was raised by a father who reacted to everything, extremely impatient, didn't like to wait in lines, would get angry all the time, and I was becoming that. But I made a decision many years ago to not be that. And I just had this conversation with my son yesterday. And it feels good to make those decisions because it has changed my experience yes. with people and how I see yes. things. It, it, it created a more calming life. So in a way, that's my form of meditation. That, that, because it did take away a lot of the bad yeah, and a yeah, lot of the anger. Yeah. No, I totally get it. And by the way, everything that I'm sharing with you, it's not like I'm practicing all of it yeah. every day. Yeah. It's almost like one day I went to Swamiji. I said, Swamiji, how can I be a better husband for my wife? He goes, what? He's in India. He's 94 years old. So how can I be a better husband for my wife? You want to be a better husband for your wife? Yeah. He goes, don't worry about it. I'm thinking here, I'm all the way in India. I'm asking you a question. What do you mean don't worry about it? I sincerely want to know that answer he goes first of all the fact that you even think about becoming something better than you are at your age that's great he goes the reason I tell you not to worry about it is because we all find something in ourselves that we want to improve some of us if you don't perfect you're not that you're not ready yet <laughs> when you're ready you lack something so I want to improve it in myself then wanting to improve and doing something about it is two whole different things. Yeah. The one day you said, I want to read an article about it. Maybe you read a book about it. Maybe you study it. But that's all you've done. You just study it. Then eventually that thirstiness, that hunger to become better in that area is so much that it goes, you know, this thing that I studied, let me think about it. Let me judge it. Let me analyze it. What part of it can I apply to my life? You may apply one part of it to your life. Eventually two, three part of it. Eventually you become so good that you become that. Yeah. So I said, well, okay, that's, I get that, Swamiji. What do I tell my wife that says, Benny, you're a hypocrite. For 10, 11 years, you go to India. You study every freaking day, and you don't practice this, all these things you study, and you lecture. He goes, oh, Benny, that's an easy one. So what, what do I tell her? Tell her you're not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the symbol of perfection that can embody the Heavenly Father. You're just a student going through this path, maybe at the end of this life, maybe you get 5% of it. 10 lifetimes, you may get 20% of it. Don't worry about it. You're on the right path. I uh, believe that Vita looks at you as perfection. Well, you know, our definition <laughs> of perfection uh, in, in our family is we are all perfect. In, many, in any way you can possibly imagine. The vision of perfection is constant improving the areas that you seek to improve within yourself if you so have the desire. Now, does it mean the people that don't want to get better and all that? No, it's almost like we may be 50 years old, but someone who may be 10 years old, he, they may be much wiser with much more intellect. Why? Because we just think the life is from our birth to our death. That's defined life. He was successful in this lifetime. Or he was a failure. But that's just like judging someone over one day of seeing them. How many lives have we lived before? How many lives am I going to have again? How many mom and dads am I going to have? How many sisters and brothers am I going to have in this world? <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you measure it in totality, then you don't measure it in this thing. And it's very similar to this experience when we're talking about unity and we are all one. Imagine when you were having a dream. You have dreams? Rarely. You? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. In dreams, things look real while you're dreaming. Feel real as well. True. It's very real while we're dreaming. You may feel fear, you may feel joy, you may feel sadness, happiness. You visiting your high school, your college, it's real. You sweating bullet and you wake up. Only when you wake up you realize, oh, it wasn't really real. But it, in fact, it is real. It was real to the dreamer. Yeah. You cannot say it doesn't exist. It did exist. Not to you as the waker. It was real to the dreamer. While you're dreaming, no one can come and tell you, hey, buddy, you're not a beggar. Wait you're up. actually living in San Diego, you son of a gun, and you actually got money. You got car. You got, you got a home. Yeah. And in fact, you 
don't starve every night. You got food. But you cannot tell the dreamer that. But only upon waking up does one realize, oh my God, all the facets of the dream, my beggary, my handicappedness, my issues, the bad wife or the husband that I have, my kids that are, uh, have cancer, God forbid, and all that, all of those different things happen in one mind of the waker. So multifaceted, diversity, so many different things, but it all occurred in one mind. Now imagine, what if this is self-realization? What if one day you become self-realized, you realize, oh, everything that's happening in this waking person's experience is also happened in the mind of that thing. We don't know what it is, so we call it God. Imagine your God having a humanly experience today. And you, just like you have an experience as a dreamer. All of a sudden, it takes all the anxieties of this world today. Today, I could lose everything I have, as I have. All right, today I can do very well. But it's no different than in a dream. This happened, and you yeah. jump with joy. This happened, and you sink with sorrows. Can we get to a point that we don't jump with joys, and we don't sink with sorrows? It becomes surfing, and you go up and down the wave, and you don't define it the way you have formed the habit of defining things it's hard to ride the waves of life and it's and it's a special person to be able to have a mindset to be able to view life the way you do and the thing that you know you always have been you've always stood out because of your passion and you can see how passionate he is about what he does He's, he goes you're in ashrams in india I mean, I know these trips that you've taken, and they're pretty extraordinary, and obviously you've learned a lot, and you teach. You're a conduit. You're a teacher of these experiences and these, these expressions of life that you've learned, and it's great, and I love it, and I love talking to you, and I love learning from you. We always have great conversations. You cannot be across the table from Ben Badi without having a good conversation. Thank you, Kimmy. And you know, when you, when you share, you don't think of it as teaching. You're sharing to kind of reconfirm your own thoughts. This is the stuff that I'm talking about. Am I buying it? And the more you talk about it, you buy it. The problem with us human beings are about everything, including and mostly about health, is we form an opinion about something. And that opinion, we don't have much time to research it. But we don't want to look fool in the society. You cannot say, well, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. You always have to say something. So, oh, yeah, I like it. I don't like it. I think this is going to happen. I think this is going to be good or bad. But when one can find a way to say, I'm going to put my own opinion, my likes and dislikes on the side, and I'm now going to probe. Only then you enter an opportunity to truly evaluate things and then make a decision. Yeah. The problem is, they, uh, in one of the lectures that I was listening to just a few days ago, it was amazing and said, it was COVID related, that there are two groups of human beings, no good or bad, two groups of human beings. One look at life is filled with abundance. The other group look at life filled with, uh, uh, with, with, um, with lack. It's a life of lack lack of things and one abundance of things and he said why is it that people feel abundance or they feel lack it was due to individual insecurities and I thought at this point okay I feel like the world is abundant 24 7 so I don't need to listen to less of this lecture let a witness told me you arrogant son of a bitch listen maybe you learn something so I listen, and by the way, you wake up four in the morning every day to do this, because that's when your mind is clear of the world. He goes, the four reasons that people feel insecure, number one is weakness for numbers. And I'm listening, holy shit, that's my biggest problem. <laughs> weakness for numbers. Some reason, I think, the more, the higher the number, the more secure I get. You got 100 bucks, 200 bucks, more security. 
You got a thousand, two thousand more security. You got a B and A more security. You got one building, get two more security, which is totally false because there's no end to desires. Number two reason for insecurity is need to be a part of a group. Your friends are the ones that go to club med every day, every year. You want to be a part of that group. It, it brings you insecurity till you become a part of the group you want to be. Third one, which was an eye opener for me, that brings human beings insecurity was excessive information. There is so much information in this world, yeah. so much Stay that off the internet. your consciousness yeah. is exposed to so much and you feel insecure because you don't know so much. You go to a doctor, you already know the doctor. Doctor, this is my problem. I searched it. This is the best hospital. Here's what I got to do. Thank you very much, doctor. You, instead of surrendering some of your lack to people that are professional in that area, of course, do your due diligence right. for that. And the last reason for insecurity is adversity to change. Like we form an opinion on what's good or bad. Mm -hmm. COVID is bad. And as long as COVID is here, the world is bad. Versus COVID is here today, it's gonna go by. If I'm supposed to go with it, okay. If I'm supposed to not go with it, okay. After COVID, it could be COVID number two. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. COVID-20. Yeah. COVID-20. And I thought I related to those four things. And when I asked that from myself, I definitely have the first one as a big one and all that stuff. So, And if you want to have excess information, excessive information, do it in the field of your expertise so you can benefit others with it. Yeah. Rather than being someone that goes to a party and you have an answer or you have an opinion about everything. And that's why they said something along the line of foolish man talks because he has to say something. The wise man talks because he has something to say. It's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Very true. So can we end, should we end on an om? Yes, of course. How, how, do, you, how do we do that? You, do we just go om? You can say <laughs> om.